want to thank you so much for taking the time to come here. I know it's a little hectic for you. The building's kind of big. <laughs> you were down at B3? That's right. Apparently. But you, I thought but you came here the day before, right? You came here yesterday, you said. I was there on Thursday. On I Thursday. came here. And you went down to B3 then, same place? And I asked someone just to confirm, because I know it's early in the morning. Right. I just wanted to confirm and be prompt and uh, punctual. And uh, they said, yeah, this is B1. And I said, great, I'm, I'm all set. But it wasn't. That's B3. It wasn't. <laughs> That's B3. So when I'm sitting, when I'm, when I'm standing there, I said, oh, 7.03. Well, you know, everyone's around a few minutes late, so about 7.05, I start thinking, hmm, maybe he's not coming. Oh, you're well, thinking I'm not coming, right? Right. Maybe. I was thinking that you were <laughs> I've been here, you know what time I got here? Actually, I got here at 5 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Because the gate opens at, oh, no, I came here, I'm sorry. Yeah, 5. Because the, the gate opens at 5.45. So I'm the first one with their car up in front. And then I listened for an hour to tapes and stuff like that. Then I came down, set up as you can see, I set up everything. And I'm w waiting for you. I came down, I said, he's probably going to come early because since you wrote me yesterday and said that you'd That's right. be here at 7. And I said, I guess it's right, not 7.30, 7. Because sometimes I tell people 7.30, but you said 7. I said, right, okay. So I get down there at 6.50. And I said, okay, it's coming, boom, boom, boom. And there's a few minutes. I knew you'd be early, so I figured, okay, it's... 6.55, my brother's gonna be here on time. Then it's seven, and then I start getting into the stereotypes. Okay, so he's on color people time. <laughs> uh, right, no. But uh, something, but honestly, Greg, something inside, because you wrote me. That's right. I said, I don't think he's not gonna be here. That's but right. then when it became 7.30, cause I was talking to people as they were coming in, I said, this is the only second time I've been stood up, he's not gonna be here. Then one of the staff came and said, Mr. Lee, your guest just was downstairs. And, and I said, look, this brother was here the whole time. And I've been sitting up there. I was and came clean. My brother's up here clean Manny. <laughs> Look at this. You came ready for this podcast. <laughs> so tell me, Greg, where were you born? Trenton, New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. How long did you live there? My entire life. Until the, the university. Until 84. Or 1980, I graduated. High 1980. Do, do you have siblings? No, everyone has passed away, but I did have a sister. How many years um, difference between you and her? Four years. Four years, she was four years older, older than you? Yes. Same years. mom and dad? Same mom and dad. Your parents are past too? Just as recent, within the last four or five years. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Who? Yeah. The mom or dad? My mom passed for a uh, second. She passed just before COVID blew up. Okay. In 2000. Right. Yeah. And your father? And dad, it was 2017. With it, did they stay married the whole time? Whole time. 55 <laughs> years they were married. And they only were married once to each other? Once. That's the only one. You know that's you know that's unusual for yeah. anybody basically. The house where I, I grew up, we lived in the entire fifty five years. How old were you? There. How old were you when you left? Um, well, I went to the conservatory uh, nineteen eighty. I was eighteen years old. So wait, so you were a prodigy? Were you? Did you grow up a piano prodigy? Not really. Not really. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay we're gonna get into that. All right. <laughs> conservatory, you went there. Wait. Any, either one of your parents musicians? None. Not professional, but they were, you know, uh, mom gave me an inspiration because she used to play Motown every Friday when she was cleaning the house. And how it began was that, you know, uh, we, I mean, music was always involved, either in church, you know, as you know, in the black What, religion, what religion? What religion? 
Baptist. Baptist? Yeah. But they had, did they have instruments in church? Did they sing? No, just singing in Oregon. In, in Oregon. And tambourine. And the tambourine. You know, yeah, that's the chicka chicka really? Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. So what happened, Mom, um, she would play this Motown, I mean, Marvin Gaye, you know, the whole works, Stevie. And we had this small little organ that Mom bought for my sister, but she never touched it. Okay. So I would start playing with the radio. In, this, in, the, in, this, in the records. Okay. And my mom said, oh, you know, you really like to play, you know, would you like to take lessons? How old were you? At that time, probably about eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. So that was private, but then I went through other instruments in school okay. because they didn't have, you know, playing an organ or something at that right. point. And then I just went through uh, various instruments, you know, all through junior high school and high school, from Did bass, clarinet, trumpet, and at the time, you know, I was still actively playing the sports. I'm, you what, know, sport, what sports? Well, <clears throat> baseball was first, okay. you know, and I played that through Little League and really made the all-star team with Babe Ruth at 15. So I was pretty good, but music and, you know, running track. Okay. I think the discipline gave me uh, wrestling. Gave me the really discipline as an athlete. When, when did you start doing wrestling? Junior high school. Junior high school, okay. Yeah. So tell me this. What kind of work did your father do? What was he? Um, industrial mechanic. Industrial mechanic. Yeah. Okay. So he worked for a company for until he retired. And how old was he when he passed? He was 82. Well, he had a pretty good life. That's yeah, not good bad life. first time. Yeah. Was he ever in the military? None. Not at all. No, so he missed that. All. So he's right. Yeah, he was right on that cuff that he didn't have to, have have to go in. Yeah. What about your mother? How old was she when she passed? 81. They both had pretty good lives. Yeah. Did, they, did they live pretty healthy lives the whole time? whole time, yeah. Well, that's good. And your sister, you said she passed too? She passed at 34 years old. And she had this thing, I think they were calling it at that time, walking pneumonia. And it and just she, took her out. Yeah, I don't know if she, you know, she was accessible to colds. Um, I think I had a baby, she had gotten pneumonia or something, but she wasn't sick her entire life. It was just, I still remember, it was a very icy winter back in about in the early 90s around these ice storms. And she says to me, Greg, I just can't seem to get rid of this cold. Was she single? Still single, not married? Uh, engaged, engaged at the okay. time. So last time it was around spring, I'm living in California at the right. time, and uh, she says, uh, I can't get rid of this cold. So a few days later, my dad says, oh, you know, your sister is in the hospital. But she, he said, you don't have to come home. She's going to be okay. You know, don't, don't waste the money and fly home. She's going to be all right. And within three days later, my mom called me, and she just says, uh, you probably know why I'm calling. I said, yes and no, because I didn't want to see She says, we lost Jackie this morning. What? Were you guys close? Yeah, we are close family. So she never told me that she died. She just said, we lost Jack. She says, well, get yourself together. Give me your flight information, and we'll pick you up. And that's the point. I was living in Los Angeles, and after going to the funeral and seeing my parents, I went down to her. She was living in Delaware to have to clean up this. And my parents were out of it. And that's when I decided I should relocate. And I moved back to uh, home from Los Angeles Back to, to New, Jersey. New Jersey and stayed there 
for a year and a half just to make sure that they were going to be because <laughs> okay. they were they were they were really oh they were out of it they were out of it it's their the first worst. yeah their first daughter so after they recovered I finally just started looking at you know um, how old were you at that time uh, about thirty five you're married still single at the time still single yeah. Okay. And when they recovered, I, I finally moved out and I said, you know, I'm going to probably start, start looking at places in New York City, but I didn't want to live in New York City. Why? Um, you knew it from a kid all the way up. That's all you knew, really, right? Yeah, but I love space. Okay. And with a grand piano, having a car, I, I just wanted to hear birds in the morning. Okay. okay. <laughs> and just, you know chill and be able to have, you know, relaxed time. So I went to Westchester, very accessible, 30 minutes north. You can take Metro North going down in the city, and that was perfect, you know. So I got busy because when I moved back, I mean, I went from um, palm trees to skyscrapers overnight. And I finally was working at Windows on the World. One day it hit me, and I'm looking up, and I said, that's the trade building, right? The Twin Towers. Yeah, I was working there. And I said, Jesus Christ, how did I end up <laughs> from palm trees? And I'm looking at the two t towers two, two, and I'm two, standing two. here. But I, I, you know, I never had a problem finding uh, jobs. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, old school, you, you know, you wake up early and you had my, you know, uh, nice portfolio and resume and at that time tapes. And I put a suit on and go right to the agencies and I'm, I'm here in town. What do you have? Let's get back to when you were a little kid. Elementary school, what kind of kid were you? Were you more academic or were you more physical? Both. Were I think both? the subjects that I enjoyed, I enjoyed and I did well. What were those subjects? I love science. It almost went that way. Okay. Because my mom, I guess, from that, that side of the brain, because she was in the medical field. Okay. You know, pharmacy. Did she, work, did she work as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was a nurse up until I was born, and then she went back to school and went to pharmacy. So she started working at the same hospital as a pharmacist. That you were so, born in? Yeah. Okay. Well, same well, city. I same was city born in. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. So then, so elementary school, you knew you liked, you liked science. You into that. Then when you, what happened in junior high school? Were you playing piano already by now? Are we still playing yeah, all the different organ. I was organ, but many instruments. Because mm -hmm. at school, you know, um, I was an instrumentalist mostly. You know, the piano is always private lessons. Okay. But I was playing trumpet and, and bass clarinet and stuff like that. So um, it wasn't until high school that I had to start judging where I'm going to go. Because now I'm playing sports also, running track and, and wrestling. And, um, you know, you get ready for conservatory auditions. You need to start prioritizing. So as a junior, I, I stopped all sports. And the coaches were, what do you mean? You're not going to, you're a varsity now, uh, 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 the athlete. Right. It could be captain or whatever. And you're saying you're not going to. And I said, you know, I'm going into music. I need to practice that. No, what grade were you in when you decided to do this? 11? 11. That's when you start looking at universities. Wait, wait. Now, had you had your accident by that time? Oh, yeah. The accident happened in, um, I was in the seventh grade. I was 13. But people so, thought because you cut your little finger, you cut your, your index finger. That's right. In a lawnmower. 
That's right. And the tip of it was cut off, right? That's right. And they thought you'd never play again. I don't think they thought so that, that. Well, that's how it's written up. Okay, oh, that's somebody sensationalizing it. All right, that's, that's what I read. <laughs> well, it was interesting because my mom, being in the hospital, she called this guy who was a surgeon, that was a plastic surgeon. He asked me, you know, you have two options. We can put the tip back on, but you're going to lose the sensitivity. Or we can snip where the bone and pull the tendons over and you'll still have sensitivity. And I, I wanted for option B, I wanted to have full sensitivity. Which you do have. Yeah. Okay. But it took the therapy on it, it, it took at least two years of therapy. So you were 14, 15? It took a long time, because for, for, for many years I couldn't throw a baseball or anything, because when you're stretching, people don't know, you're stretching Your all the tendons. Okay. So everything was, it was painful. Or was it? Yeah. And I, you know, I don't think I ever used that I was depressed, but what I think the spiritual uh, awakening was at the time I started therapy right after the accident. And I'm coming just with a Band-Aid on it. I'm kind of, you know, sitting there depressed. I'm thinking, why did this happen to me? But then when I look at all the other patients coming in, I mean, missing no arms. Head all bandaged, and I'm starting talking to some of the ladies. Said, "Oh, my head went to the windshield, or it was a butcher lost it." And I said, "Man, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm blessed. I've only lost a tip end of a finger. It could have been a lot worse." And that's what gave me the motivation to, 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 to you know, to continue and and that, just let it go and just do what you're going to do. Do it. And eventually, after the soreness went away, which was and I would see stars for the, the first three years because it was That's so much sore. Painful, yeah. yeah, if I touch something, because we never lose the, spiritually, we are always connected. So I've always felt that the tip was still there. Oh. So when you get ready to pick up something, you, 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 you miss it. You, you miss it. it you know? <laughs> but that's the phantom limb thing. That's right. That's right. And eventually your mind overstimulates so you, you, you'll know that it's not there. But it... In, in the meantime, if you grab something too hard, I mean, it, you see stars. It's okay. so sore. And, you know, you just overcome that. And just like everyone else that, you know, I think veterans have lost parts. If there's a will, there's a way, you know, that old saying. And I said, I'm going to play. And the technique is the same because when I studied classical piano and I went through four years conservatory, and none of my teachers, you're supposed to do the same exercises that, uh, you know, that a, a person with a finger. So it never became a handicap. But reach doesn't matter so much? Because, like, you, not really. You, not just, you just compensate. You just compensate. I mean, there's, you compensate. Speed, that. probably. You have to speed. I think it depends on the repertoire. I mean, sometimes if I was heavy classical pianist and playing uh, some of the heavier composers like uh, Rachmaninoff or certain uh, Chopin uh, concertos or something, at that point, there might be some difficulty, you know. Did you find that to be the case? No, because I never, you never started playing rock mod enough. But, you, that but, you stay, but you stayed with jazz, right? I went to jazz you went eventually. To jazz eventually. It wasn't until, you know, my second semester freshman year when I sat next to a jazz improvisation class. Did they do it? And I'm hearing them swinging in the class, you know, and I'm thinking... And I think I'm in the wrong program. Because <laughs> what was yours? More conservative? I was, just... well, I was in a, we call it music lit. 
So studying Baroque and, and, and classic music and listening to Bach, and I love Bach also, you know, but I hear jazz from next door and these guys playing along with the Abersoul records because, you know, that's what they do. What year are we talking now? That was 1981. 1981, okay. Yeah. So, so I, finally went to the, I finally went to the uh, professor of jazz and I said, look, I think I'm in the wrong program. I, I said, you know, I, I, I sat next to the uh, jazz improvisation class and I want to change majors. And he said, Greg, I'm delighted, but I just can't let you into the program. He said, you have to play something. So I, I pretended. So I go to the piano and I knew I couldn't play anything. I played a few jazz chords and then I just gave up and I said, look, I'm sorry, but I, I haven't played jazz piano before. But I said, I promise if you let me into the program, I'm going to work hard. And he looked at me and he says, you know, Greg, I believe you. I'm going to let you in the program. He could feel it. And from that point, <clears throat> you never look back. How many years has it been? Over 30 years now. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think, especially with jazz, it doesn't matter how good one is. It's how well one plays together with one another. And that's at all levels. I mean, you can play with the, the masters. So your levels should change depending on the level of people you're playing with. And this is what makes great musicians even better. Because, you know, everyone has to play in unison. You know, mm. that's the key. I just started practicing sax. It's been five years, six years. But I, I equated to someone singing in the shower. Sounds good to me. <laughs> but it, <laughs> Everyone passing by is telling me, "Well, I shut up and just get finished with my shower." Well, it is a problem. So I want to, I want to play with someone. Yeah. Just, but I, everyone that I talk to about doing this, I know they have their jobs, they're doing what they're doing. But just maybe a day or something, and I get, I did get a chance to do a live, but it was not quite what I was expecting. It was a little bit too. I was a little bit too much. The spotlight. Right. It shouldn't have been. Well, I think, you know, it, 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 I think it comes down with the comfortability level of who you're working with. Because certain players make it, one feel more relaxed. Certain situations, you're more relaxed. So um, I think it gets an environmental, you know, part. And if you find, just like finding the right teacher. I mean, it could be any subject you don't like, but if one finds the right teachers that teaches that, that's you'll right. say, oh man, I love it. That's right, that's right. Because you're vibing with that teacher, I mean. That's right. It was it's right. all about, and we didn't realize that, you know, it took me up until probably about 11th or 12th grade that I realized that it doesn't matter what subject one has taken, if you don't find the right teacher. It doesn't matter. It could be something that you really love. You're yeah. the wrong teacher. Now I don't love it. And so much, you know, happens when I remember taking English, you know, how they taught in school. It wasn't until years later, one of my neighbors was uh, taught at the junior high school and I was in, for some reason, maybe it was in her class. And man, it was the most exciting class that I had. I mean, I was scoring a, a B plus, A minus in the class. And, and all the other teachers, I would always get C, D plus. Mm -hmm. and, right, right. Barely getting out of it. Barely getting out. And putting the same work, but it's the way they, I think the interpretation and, and uh, same thing with music. Okay. You know, 
you're finding the right uh, instructor or right members, you know, you're going to find some continuity with the sound. How long have you been in Japan? Now, uh, 17 years. What brought you here in the first place? How'd you get here? Working for Hyatt International, putting okay. bands together. Talk to me, how'd that happen? Where were you prior to that? Wait, well, in the States, you've only, you lived in California, you lived on the East Coast, West Coast. Do you, you live in between? Um, Washington, D.C. Well, that's not between, that's still the East Coast. It's still the East Coast. East Coast. That's not, I didn't say Montana. Say Montana. No, never in the Midwest yet. <laughs> I've thought about it. But I just, I've always wanted to be on where I can see the so ocean, ocean, something, something somewhere. the Pacific Ocean. I didn't want to be. <laughs> be landlocked. Yeah. I don't want to be in Utah. <laughs> Oklahoma. Or, or you know, Oklahoma. Right. You, know. you didn't need any of that. So tell me, so how old were you when you first came here to Japan? Um, I would say the first time I was here, about 20, I was uh, 29. Okay, but what, what made I you just, want to come here? Well, so did you sit the high end? No, well, the first time, this is with this leg, the very first time I uh, had worked for uh, uh, Franz Zeller, who was uh, the general manager at uh, Windows on the World. And that's when I first moved back. And he and I developed a good relationship, and eventually he moved from Hilton, and then he opened the uh, Tokyo Bay Hilton at my home. So I get an email one day when the email first began, you know, I'm opening a, a cigar piano bar called Windows on the World. And get your booty over here and play piano for me. Franz, I'd love to come, but I said, make me an offer I can't refuse. Really? That's what I said to him. So he said, give me the details. He said, well, it's a six-month contract. And I said, Franz, six months? That's a long time to leave New York. And I just released the first CD. But um, I said, I tell you what, I need to check first. If I stay six months, I got to see the environment where I'm playing and everything. I, cause I, I don't want to leave six months. And he says, Greg, I'm delighted. But he says, I can't buy a ticket for you. But he said, if you get here, I'll take care of everything else. However long you want to stay, but you get here. So you take care of your airfare. And I said, oh, that's a great deal. So on my nickel. I bought a round trip ticket. So when I get to the airport, I'll never forget, I get to the airport in Narita. First time in Japan. There's no signs because they're going to know who I am, right? He picks me up in his private Jaguar, mint green. So his driver, that's how I left um, Narita first time. He was trying to impress me. And he did. Huh? Yeah, he did. So I was, I stayed five days and we, you know, uh, uh, you know, I saw all the outlets, so many outlets, so, and every, everything looks good. So when on the departure, I'm getting ready to leave. He says, did you make it behind mine yet? And I said, Father, I still don't know. Would you was this again? This was 1999. 1999. Yeah. And I said, when I get home, then I'll give you a decision. So I went home. I waited for about 10 more days. Finally, I got an urgent email. And he says, uh, we need to know within the next 25 hours, because if not, we have to decide on someone else. It takes time to prepare the visas and all the paperwork. And I said, I said, Franz, I'm very sorry. I've been procrastinating, but I've decided to accept the engagement. And that's when I first came, six months. 1999. Yeah. Is that when you met your wife? 
go. This was on the next leg. Okay, so how? So you stayed for how long? Just six months. Six months, and I went back to the states, and then, needless to say, you know, that's when uh, things turned with uh, 9/11 and everything happened. So I had to start traveling. So, and after that, um, I contacted an agent that was from Seattle, Washington, that was booking Hyatt globally. And he says, Greg, you know, there's an opportunity comes up. I like your resume. I like what you've done. Put a New York band together, and there's an opening in Indonesia, Jakarta. So I put a great band together, went there for three months. Right when that contract was ending, we're opening another Hyatt in Rupungi Hills, this area. April, I'll never forget because it's the day before my birthday, April 25th. Um, 2003, that's when Rapungi Hills opened, you probably remember. And so I put another band together. I went home for a short time and I was supposed to be here six months, but the contract kept getting extended, extended, extended. So it's a year and a month. So three years have gone by and I'm still in Japan. And this is the time I met my wife. Okay. Yeah. Is she a musician too? No, she's in the medical field. Okay. She was happened. We didn't actually meet there. It's a funny story because a lot of Japanese people are surprised about this story because she's there with a group of other doctors. So she is a doctor. Yep. Okay. So I was on the way home, loaded, you know, after the gig, and um, carrying my dry clean because I used to live right down the street in Rapungi Hills. They finally moved me from the hotel and I had my own place. It was plush and nice, you know, just open. I said, why not stay? You know, I mean, it, you know, it's a great opportunity and the band was great. So as I'm walking, you know, I, I see this girl walking. She said, you know, oh, konbawa. And she said, oh, konbawa. Oh, and she says, I enjoyed your performance tonight. That's it. She says, you didn't see me. I was way in the back with other doctors. She says, after dinner, we decided to have drinks here. And, but I saw you. And I says, oh, that's nice. So I reached in my bag and I said, oh, you might enjoy this. So I reached in the bag and so I gave her the CD. I said, oh, if you like it, please let me know how it is. I said, this is my first CD. I said, all the contact numbers, are, if, you, if you like it, let me know how the CD is. So a few, a few weeks later, she writes and says, oh, I really enjoyed the music. I said, oh, thank you. If you have a chance, perhaps we can have tea or lunch or something. And that's how it started. Yeah, so perhaps we can get married. <laughs> <laughs> so how many kids do you have now? Do you have kids? Two daughters. How old are they? Um, now she just turned uh, uh, 16 and 16. 13. The oldest 16 and 13. I saw, I saw pictures of you guys out in front of the, I think it's in front of your house. You have a house? Oh, it was in front of mansion. That was a, a maybe a, a, a restaurant at that, that That's place. True. Your daughters, do they speak English and Japanese? Of course, yeah. You had, did you put them in international school or Japanese schools? They're both attending. Um, Japanese school, private Japanese schools. Okay. And you live in this area? Yep. Okay. You're not far. Right. Yeah. But why haven't you joined the American Club? Why haven't you joined the American ah, Club? 
I guess, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to join. Well, you do now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard some of my colleagues have done gigs here, and I've always thought, oh, man, that might be a good place to play, but I said, but why not become a member? Tell me about it, and especially for your kids, too. That's what I Absolutely. Yeah, because the, the kind of people they're around, and it's good for you, too, the kind of people you're around. Hey, you know, environment, we were very lucky. I became friends with the Ecuadorian Leonardo uh, ambassador here years ago, because good friends of mine, he was, we met at the palace, uh, was giving a speech. He was teaching at Princeton University, and we all met. And his wife is very uh, 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 professor, and she fell in love. You know, we had a very good, because uh, she plays piano. Oh, we should get together sometime. And I said, my work schedule and a kid's schedule in Japan is very difficult. But I looked at the window. I said, the best day for, I think, all of us would be Sunday, like a brunch or something. And for three years, we were meeting at their compound, at the Ecuadorian compound. Once a month, we would have an international brunch. So did you play piano then, too? She had a big grand there. So, so we all played and sing and dance and ate. <laughs> It was fun. I mean, sometimes there's like six or seven languages going on. Because she would invite some of her other friends and, right. of course, Japanese. Friends, right, of course. But that was very nurturing for my daughters at that That's age. Because at the time, they were three and five years old. So That's so good. That was a good experience. Let me ask you this, Greg. Before I end the podcast, I always like to ask a question. And I have a feeling you and I are going to be doing more podcasts together. If you could go back in time and you could meet the younger Greg, and give him advice from what you know now. When would you go back and how old would you be? I would like to probably have gone back just before this accident. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, don't put your finger down there. <laughs> Watch where you put your finger, sir. <laughs> I like that. I haven't heard a better one than that. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> No, but just slow down. Slow down. <laughs> Think before you start making careless mistakes, because I, I preach that to my daughters and to you. <laughs> Think about what you're going to do before you do it. Don't stick your fingers. Or if you do, working on any electronics or anything with moving parts, make sure it's turned off. <laughs> Great. Look, I want to thank you for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Beautiful. I want to thank all of you for watching the podcast. Make sure you press like. And subscribe. And never forget, it's all alone. So continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed. Mm -hmm.